Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, (laughs) you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. Speaking openly about my experience of grief and helping to support others to do the same serves as a regular reminder that we are not alone. Letting all the parts of us have an expression, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about fear. The name of this post is Where's the Beef? (laughs) It's shared on February 9th, 2023. Where's the beef? I am privileged and fortunate to live in a part of the world where the food supply is abundant. I have the luxury of deciding what I like and what I don't. The only time I go hungry is by choice, usually when I'm compensating for overconsumption and trying to balance the scales. Whether I'm eating fresh fruits and vegetables or some edible food-like substance that is laden with chemicals, salt, fat, and sugar, I have complete autonomy over how I choose to fuel my body. In fact, my ability to discern what I will put into this body is mine and mine alone. It is one of the very few things over which I have some control. As a college student living abroad in the early 90s, I stopped eating meat. For several years, I ate only vegetarian dishes. I loved them. My go-to meal in London was fried eggs, baked beans, white toast, and tea. It was somewhat nutritious, super affordable, and easy to obtain. I carried out the next several years as a non-meat eater until about the time I was trying to have a baby when I craved more protein and animal products. I generally feel as though we should keep our food preferences to ourselves. We should eat what we want, when we want, as much or as little as we want, because we have the luxury of doing so. But with the excess food supply that surrounds us, we have a tendency to create a religion out of our food choices. We like to discuss them with others why we eat this thing, or don't eat that thing, or why we used to eat something, but we don't eat it anymore. 
There's nothing wrong with having some eating guidelines. Heaven knows we need some type of structure so we don't get lost in the world of food. I'm just not inclined to talk a heck of a lot about it. Our choices can stand quietly and with gratitude. But so often, food is a topic of conversation, which really isn't a problem. It's just that it's not my first choice for subject matter when chatting over a meal. Recently, I heard someone who eats strictly vegetarian talking about the fear that an animal experiences just before slaughter. She was explaining her reason for only consuming non-meat products, which was that just before the animal is killed, it experiences terror, which releases certain chemicals and hormones into the bloodstream as a result of that fear. Her understanding is that when we eat meat, we also eat the fear of the now plated animal in its final moments of life. And who wants to eat someone else's fear? So she doesn't eat meat. Sensible enough. Again, consumption is one of the few things we actually have some control over. I am all for individual choices and not at all interested in talking someone out of theirs. I know our preferences can change over time, and we also adjust our eating habits to fit our lifestyles and individual needs and ongoing medical considerations. But the fear theory is one that I do have an opinion about. And as an aside, I recently heard someone say that, quote, opinions are the lowest form of knowledge, unquote. So feel free to stop reading or listening if you're uninterested in this low form of knowledge parading around as a meaningful opinion. But my opinion has nothing to do with whether or not We literally ingest fear fear hormones from a slaughtered animal whenever we eat meat. As mentioned, the argument seems sensible enough, and actually, I have heard this at more than one dinner table. My opinion has to do with the concept of fear itself, specifically our own personal fears, of which we have many. We fear not being accepted. We fear that we won't be liked, or included, or approved of. We fear our bodies are the wrong size or shape. We want to fit in and be loved, even when we are exercising our decision-making power over what we put into our bodies. We fear that we will be judged. We fear disappointing the chef. We fear our justifications may waver and not hold up against the challenging criticisms of others. This can play out at a dinner table. Once someone is observed to be eating differently than everyone else. In the case of the vegetarian, she boldly and confidently met criticism of her preferences with a diatribe about the fear of the animal. She was solid in her position and communicated succinctly her rationale for avoiding meat altogether. So far, so good. The problem arose, though, when many at the table 
began to tease her. A revisiting of the old hilarious commercial for a fast food chain featured three elderly women eating a competitor's hamburger that was flimsy and not very robust. These women demanded to know, quote, where's the beef, unquote. It was a great tagline, and we got a kick out of the commercial. I remember it from the mid-80s with clarity, and I've included a link to it in the post. As the criticisms and comments flew at the dinner table and the direction of the vegetarian consumer, and the laughter roared, the devoted and in her mind justified position of not eating meat was being made into a joke. As the giggle circled the table and the obvious non-approval arose, the vegetarian grew more and more uncomfortable. Eventually, she became very upset, and the dinner conversation never really recovered from these playful yet perceived threatening exchanges. So, what's the point (laughs) to the tune and cadence of, where's the beef? The point is that before we're concerning ourselves with the fear that floods the bodies of animals when they are killed, we need to take a hard look at our own fears. Does it matter that we're avoiding the fears of animals when we are trapped in our own vulnerability of wanting to be accepted and liked? Are we doing ourselves any favors by being dependent on the good opinion of others as we eat a veggie burger? If we need others to agree with our choices and we are petrified of being judged negatively, does it really make a difference? If we're eating chicken or beans? I don't think so. While I understand the rationale behind the choices to eat in certain ways, I don't think one of them should be not to consume an animal's fear. Because our human fears far outweigh those of any animal in the last few seconds of its farmed life. We embody our personal fears to such a serious extent that we will do just about anything to belong. And we do. And we pay for those fears mightily. Eat, drink, and be merry, I say. If you have a particular regimen that suits your body, awesome. Stick to it. Prioritize your own self-care, whether for health or other reasons. But do so fearlessly. Because if we don't eat the animal's fear, but we were basking in our own, we really aren't doing ourselves any favors. Let your choices stand. Take pride in what you consume, or at least try to understand why you eat what you eat. Learning to be independent of the good opinion of others is a far higher mountain peak to strive for than avoiding animal hormones at the dinner table. No problem in doing both or either. It's just that if you're going to openly share your rationale for your personal food choices, you should prepare yourself to become the target of the unavoidable criticisms and even good-hearted jokes that are sure to follow. And we're allowed to have fun and even laugh at ourselves while breaking bread. So join in the fun instead of taking it personally. 
And when in doubt, as Susan Pierce Thompson says, keep your eyes on your own plate. That way, we aren't making a religion out of the vast abundance of food on our table. In many parts of the world, humans eat anything they can because they have nothing. So thank you for joining this episode of the Healing Path Podcast. And I'm certainly dating um, myself when I go back to an advertisement from the early or mid-80s. Um, but I bet you remember it if you were uh, in, a, in, in the world then. Um, it was very popular and very funny. And it, it kind of, that tagline kind of stuck around for a while. Um, so it was funny to see it kind of brought back to life at this particular dinner conversation. But it wasn't funny to the woman who had explained her rationale for not eating, as I described in the post. And I just want to call out the fact that, you know, we we seem to think that we can have a say over other people, what their preferences are, what they do. And sometimes we have this idea that we know the right way. You know, we know what the best nutrition is, or we know we just read an article, or we you know, learn something in a nutrition class, or there was something on YouTube or something online. And we really want to talk about it. And when I say we make a religion out of it, I'm not kidding. I don't see this at every dinner table. But I do notice whether it's business lunches or family gatherings, or even, you know, public sort of dinner events and things like that. It, it just seems that we feel completely comfortable um, looking <laughs> At each other's plates and sharing our observations or asking questions or criticizing or um, we also do that with each other's weight and body. How often does someone say, oh, have you lost weight or oh, you know, and it's these are personal things. And I, I don't know how much of this it just comes from our culture and the fact that we're surrounded by body image messages and challenges um, and or that we have just this massive food supply, much of which isn't food at all. It's just products that are created because we're addicted to them. But that's another post. I just want to, um, though, encourage us to not, you know, if, if someone is making a comment about something that you're eating or that I'm eating, you know, let's just take it as it comes. It's nobody's business. Um how I decide to fuel my body or you do. It's like I said, one of the very few things that we do actually have some control over. And if we don't want something, we can say no thank you. And if we want more of something, we live in a mostly in a world where we can have, you know, two helpings, God forbid, maybe even three. So we just want to mind our own plates, mind our own business. And by all means, just let's not take it all too seriously. Food is not a religion. Food is something that we use to fuel our body. Anything beyond the fueling part is something that we've created in our culture. It's a way to make people feel left out and or included. It's a way to kind of mind each other's business. And I think it would be a little bit more respectful if we could just let people, uh, like I said, eat, drink, and be merry. But honestly, it's it's really none of our business. So if someone has something to say about your plate, laugh it off. And if you want to share your rationale, go right ahead. Just know that someone might, you know, challenge that and want to have an argument about it. I don't choose to do that when I'm breaking bread. I have no interest in 
understanding, you know, someone's reasons for choosing a certain thing on their plate or not. I just think it's a personal choice. And to go back to the animal fear part, if we were all completely comfortable in our own skin and fearless about what we put in our bodies, then I might take the fear of the animal argument a little bit more seriously. But I'm certainly not in that position, even though I do strive to be. And I don't know a lot of folks that are. So yeah, share your rationale if you want to, you know, share your reasoning, but just know that you're opening up a Pandora's box of questions and criticisms. And God forbid, if someone starts joking around, just laugh along with it. Because what are we really talking about? We're talking about the fact that we live in a part of the world where we have way more than we could ever eat in a lifetime. And there are so many that are suffering, particularly now. So thank you for checking out this episode of the Healing Path podcast. As I mentioned, there is a link in the post um, to the actual Where's the Beef (laughs) ad um, from 1984. And also, I quoted Susan Pierce Thompson because she is a scientist and a dietitian who has made it her business to understand the role of food in our bodies. And she's just been a brilliant contributor to the overall understanding of nutrition and Um, how our bodies respond to different kinds of foods, and she's a wealth of knowledge. So I did include a link to her website as well if you're interested. So until next time, let's stay present and stay grateful and stay healing. And more to come uh, on the next post, which won't be where's the beef. It might be more like where's the grief. So I look forward to talking with you then. And as always, I'm so grateful that you've tuned in today.